Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Starship Sofa. Everybody, welcome. Well, once again, we are in our the midst of our Michael Moorcock season of short stories, and I hope you enjoy them. What's been happening? Well, thank you again to everyone that's been sending in the emails about my little trip, my, well, not trip, my little accident. I don't know if some know I blacked out at work, fractured, apparently I fractured my skull in two places, and there's slight bleed, and been to see everybody, and... Thank God there's no drilling in the heads required, just plenty of rest and lots and lots of painkillers. I've been telling everyone a few times I'll be, I'm popping more painkillers that would even make a drug pusher wince, the amount, you know what I mean? Because it's quite weird. You get through the, you know, you, through the day, it's all right, you, you time your painkillers and you, you take them. It gets to night time and, oh, it wakes up about four o'clock and, oh, the headaches are there. But that's enough of that, enough about me. Rambling on about my illness, typical man. <laughs> so yes, thank you for everyone that sent in some, you know, appreciations of, you know, get well soon to It's been really kind. What's been happening? Well, if you go along to the website now, you will see we've actually got donations. <laughs> we've got a monthly donation set up as well. Apparently that's caused Paul, our webmaster, some headache trying to get it all sorted out, but eventually sorted it out. So now you can go over there and if you just, it's just a small amount, I think it's £2.50 to donate monthly to the Starship Sofa, keep it all happening. And it's just basically why I kind of plug in donations is it's just when we're putting all these stories up, it's just using more kind of capacity, more space on the Libsyn servers. And it's just, it's just really basically to help keep that going. You know, it'd be a shame to knock these on the head. We're getting some great stories coming in and we've getting the okay to do a David Brin story and hasn't Harry Harrison he said yes we can narrate one of his stories as well so there's some great stories coming up in the future they'll like I say they'll not be every week do you know what I mean it's just 
when we get them, we'll, we'll get them narrated and we'll put them up. We have a very special one today. We have our young boy wonder, Mr. Kieran O'Carroll. So, without further ado, the Starship Sofa presents... A slow Saturday night at the Surrealist Sporting Club, being a further account of Engelbrecht, the boxing dwarf, and his fellow members, by Michael Moorcock, after Morris Richardson. Narrated by Kieran O'Carroll. I happened to be sitting in the snug of the Strangers Bar at the Surrealist Sporting Club on a rainy Saturday night, enjoying a well-mixed existential fizz, two parts vortex water to one part sweet gin, and desperate to meet a diverting visitor. When death slipped unostentiously into the big chair opposite, warming his bones at the fire and remarking on the unseasonable weather, there was sure to be a lot of flu about. It made you hate to get the tube, but the buses were worse, and had I seen what cabs were charging these days. He began to drone on, as usual, about the ozone layer and the melting pole, how we were poisoning ourselves on genetically modified food and feeding cows to cows and getting all that pollution and that cigarette smoke into our lungs and those other gloomy topics he seems to relish which I suppose makes you appreciate it when he puts you out of your misery. I had to choose between nodding off or changing the subject. The evening being what it was, I made the effort and changed the subject, or at least had a stab at it. So what's new? It was feeble, I admit, but as it happened, it stopped him mid-moan. Thanks for reminding me, he said, and glanced at one of his many watches. God's dropping in. Oh, in about twelve minutes, twenty-five seconds. He doesn't have a lot of time, but if you have any questions to ask him, I suggest you canvass the other members present and think up some good ones in a hurry. And he's not very fond of jokers, if you know what I mean, so stick to the substantial questions or he won't be pleased. I thought he usually sent a seraphim ahead for that sort of visit, I queried mildly. Are you all having to double up or something? Is it overpopulation? I didn't like this drift either. It suggested a finite universe for a start. Our ever-present friend rose smoothly. He looked around the room with a distressed sigh, as if suspecting the whole structure to be infected with dry rot and carpenter ants. He couldn't as much produce a grim brotherly smile for the Death Watch beetle, which had come out especially to greet him. Well, once more into the breach. Have you noticed what it's like out there? Worst on record, they say. Mind you, they don't remember the megalithic. Those were the days, eh? See you later. Be sure of it. I knew a moment of existential angst. Sensitively, Death hesitated, seemed about to apologize, then thought the better of it. He shrugged. See you in a minute, he said. I've got to look out for God in the foyer and sign him in, you know. He had the air of one who had given up worrying about minor embarrassments and was sticking to the protocol come hell or high water. He was certainly more laconic than he had been. 
I wondered if the extra work, the doubling as a seraphim, had changed his character. With death gone, The Strangers was warming up rapidly again, and I enjoyed a quiet moment with my fizz before rising to amble through the usually warped and shrieking corridors to the members' bar, which appeared empty. Are you thinking of dinner? Lizard Bayless was looking like an undisinfected dish rag, strolled over from where he'd been hanging up his obnoxious cape, never far behind, out of the W.C., bustled Engelbrecht, the dwarf clock boxer, who had gone ten rounds with the Greenwich Atom before that over-refined chronometer went down to an iffy punch in the eleventh. His great mad eyes flashed out from underneath a simian hedge of an eyebrow. As usual, he wore a three-piece suit, a size too small for him, in the belief that it made him seem taller. He was effing and blinding about some imagined insult offered by the taxi driver who had brought them back from the not altogether successful endangered sea monster angling competition in which, I was to learn later, Engelbrecht had caught his hook in a tangle of timeweed and wound up dragging down the Titanic. Which explained that mystery. Mind you, he still had to come clean about the R101, there was some feeling in the club concerning the airship, since he'd clearly taken bets against himself. Challenged, he'd muttered some conventional nonsense about the maelstrom and the inner world, but we'd heard that one too often to be convinced. He also resented our recent rule limiting all aerial angling to fire drakes and the larger species of petrodactyl. Lizard Bayliss had oddly coloured bags under his eyes, giving an even more downcast appearance to his normally dissolute features. He was a little drained from dragging the dwarf in by his collar. It appeared that seeing the big rods, the driver had asked Bayliss if that was his bait on the seat beside him. The irony was, of course, that the dwarf had been known to use himself as bait more than once, and there was still some argument over the interpretation of the rules in that area too. The dwarf had taken the cabbie's remark to be specific, not because of his diminutive stockiness, but because of his sensitivity over the rules issue. He stood to lose a few months, even years, if they reversed that result. He was still spitting on about nitpicking fascist anoraks with severe anal retention problems when I raised my glass and yelled, If you've got an important question for God, you better work out how to phrase it. He's due in any second now. He's only got a few minutes at the stranger's bar. We could invite him in here, but that would involve an awful lot of time-consuming ritual and so forth. Any objection to meeting him back there? The dwarf wasn't sure that he had anything to say that wouldn't get taken the wrong way. Then, noticing how low the fire was, opinioned that the stranger's was bound to offer more hospitality. I can face my mic at any time, he pointed out, but I'd rather do it with a substantial drink in me hand and a good blaze warming my bum. He seemed unusually oblivious to any symbolism, given that the air was writhing with it. I think the Titanic was still on his mind. He was trying to work out how to get his hook back. By the time we had collected up One Way Ballard and Taffy Sinclair from the dining room and returned to the stranger's, Guard had already arrived. 
Any plans the dwarf had instantly went out the window because God was standing with his back to the fire, blocking everyone's heat. With a word to Taffy not to overtax the Lord of Creation, Death hurried off on some important business and disappeared back through the swing doors. I am the one true God, said Jehovah, making the glasses and bottles rattle. He cleared his throat and dropped his tone to what must for him have been a whisper, but it was unnatural, almost false, like a TV presenter trying to express concern while keeping full attention on the autoprompt. Still, there was something totally convincing about God as a presence. You knew you were in his aura, and you knew you had grace, even if you weren't too impressed by his stereotypical form. God added, I am Jehovah, the Almighty. Ask of me what you will. Lizard knew sudden inspiration. Do you plan to send Jesus back to earth, and have you any thoughts on the 2.30 at three tomorrow? He is back, said God, and I wouldn't touch those races these days. Believe me, they are all bent one way or the other. If you like the horses, do the national. Take a chance, have a gamble. It's anyone's race, the national. But being omnipotent, said Lizard slowly, wouldn't you know the outcome anyway? If I stuck by all the rules of omnipotence, it wouldn't exactly be sporting, would it? God was staring over at the bar, checking out the Corona Coroners, and the melting marine chronometer above them. You don't think it's hard on the horses? asked Gillian Barnes, the transsexual novelist who could be relied upon for a touch of compassion. Being almost seven feet tall in her spike heels, she was also useful for getting books down from the higher shelves and sorting out those bottles at the top of the bar which looked so temptingly dangerous. Bugger the horses, said God. It's the race that counts. And anyway, the horses love it. I was a little puzzled. I thought we had to ask only substantial questions. That's right. God drew his mighty brows together in inquiry. I fell into an untypical silence. I was experiencing a mild revelation concerning the head of the Church of England and our own favorite, Pastempi, but it seemed inappropriate to run with it at that particular moment. What I'd like to know is, said Engelbrecht, cutting suddenly to the chase, who gets heaven and why? There was a bit of a pause in the air, as if everybody felt perhaps he'd pushed the boat out a little too far, but God was nodding. Fair question, he said. Well, it's cats, then dogs, and there's quite a few human beings, really. But mostly it's pets. Lizard Bayliss began to grin. It wasn't a pretty sight, with all those teeth which he swore weren't filed. You mean you like animals better than people? Is that what you're saying, Lord? I wouldn't generalize. God lifted his robe a little to let the fire get at his legs. It's mostly cats, some dogs, then a few people. All a matter of proportion, of course. I mean, it's millions at least. Probably billions. Because I'd forgotten about the rats and the mice. You like those too? 
No, can't stand their hairless tails. Sorry, but it's just me. They can, I understand, be affectionate little creatures. No, they're for the cats. Cats are perfectly adapted for hanging out in heaven. But they still need a bit of a hunt occasionally. They get bored. Well, you know, cats. You can't change their nature. I thought you could, said one-way Ballard, limping up to the bar and ringing the bell. He was staying the night because somebody had put a Denver boot on his Granada, and he'd torn the wheel off trying to reverse out of it. He was in poor spirits because he and the car had been due to be married at St. James's Spanish Place next morning, and there was no way he was going to get the wheel back on, and the car spruced up in time for the ceremony. He'd already called the vicar. Ego was on tonight and had trouble responding. We watched him struggle to get his hump under the low doorway. Coming, master, he said. It was too much like young Frankenstein to be very amusing. I can change nature, yes. God continued. I said you couldn't, am I right? Always, said one way, turning to order a couple of pints of acroids. He wasn't exactly looking on fate with any favor at that moment. But if you can... There'd be a lot of things I could do, God pointed out. You might have noticed I could stop babies dying and famines and earthquakes. But I don't, do I? Well, we wouldn't know about the ones you'd stopped, Engelbrecht pointed out a bit donnishly for him. So when the heavens open on the day of resurrection, it really will rain cats and dogs. And uh, who else? Jews? Some Jews, yes. In another, being God's attitude might have seemed defensive. But listen, I want to get off the race issue. I don't judge people on their race, color, or creed. I never have. Wealth, he added a little sententiously, has no color. If I've said who I favor, and some purse-mouthed, Prophet decides to put his name in instead of the bloke I chose, then so it goes. It's free will in a free market, and you can't accuse me of not supporting the free market. Economic liberalization combined with conservative bigotry is the finest weapon I ever gave the chosen people. One thing you can't accuse me of being, and that's a control freak. Fee, said Lizard, then blushed. Foey God, but you just said it yourself. Chosen people. Those are the people I chose, said God with a touch of impatience. Yes. So, the Jews. No. The money lenders are mostly wasps. The Ursas, oil people, big players in Fed Needle Street and Wall Street, or at least a good many of them. Very few Jews, as it happens. And most of them, in heaven, are from the show business. Look around you and tell me, who are the chosen ones? It's simple. They're the people in the limousines with great sex lives and private jets. Not cats, of course, who don't like to travel.
Otherwise, the chosen are very popular with the public or aggressively wealthy. The ones who have helped themselves and those who help themselves, God helps. You're a yank, Engelbrecht was struck by a revelation. There are rules in this club about yanks. Because Americans happen to have a handle on the realities, doesn't mean I'm American. God was a little offended. Then he softened. It's probably an easy mistake to make. I mean, strictly speaking, I'm prehistoric. But, yes, America has come up trumps where religious worship is concerned. No old-fashioned iconography cluttering up their vision. There's scarcely a church in the nation which isn't a sort of glorified business seminar nowadays. God will help you. But you have to prove you're serious about wanting help. He'll at least match everything you make, but you have to make... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A little for yourself first. To show you can. It's all there. Getting people out of the welfare trap. Aren't they all a bit narrow-minded? The metatemporal pathologist who had so successfully dissected the Hess Quins. They are where I come from. I know. His stern good looks demanded our attention. Baptists! He took a long, introspective pull of his shant. God was unmoved by Sinclair's point. Those Baptists are absolute wizards. They're spot on about me. All good Old Testament boys. They use the Son of God as a source of authority, not as an example. The economic liberalism they vote for destroys everything of value worth conserving. It drives them nuts. But it makes them more dysfunctional, and therefore more aggressive, and therefore richer. Deeply unhappy, they turn increasingly to the source of their misery... For a comfort that never comes. Compassionate consumption. None of your peace and love religions down there. Scientology has nothing on that little lot. Amateur, that Hubbard, but a bloody good one. He chuckled affectionately. I look with special favor on the Southern Baptist Convention. So there does happen to be a predominance of Americans in paradise, as it happens... But, ironically, no Scientologists. Hubbard's as fond of cats as I am. But he won't have Scientologists. I admit, too, that not all the Chosen are entirely happy with the situation because of being pretty thoroughly outnumbered. Just by the Oriental shorthairs. They do like to be in control. And many of them are bigots. 
so they'll forever whining about the others being favoured over them. Of course, once they get to heaven, I'm in control. It takes a bit of adjustment for some of them. Some of them, in fact, opt for hell, preferring to rule there than serve in heaven, as it were. Milton was on the money. Really, if a bit melodramatic and fanciful. Not so much a war in heaven as a renegotiated contract, a pending paradise. I thought you sent Jesus down as the Prince of Peace, said Lizard a little dimly. The black bombers were wearing off, and he was beginning to feel the effects of the past few hours. Well, in those days, said God, I have to admit I had a different agenda. Looking back, of course, it was a bit unrealistic. It could never have worked, but I wouldn't take no for an answer, and you know the rest. New Testament and so on. Even then, Paul kept trying to talk to me, and I wouldn't listen. Another temporary fix-up, as it turned out. He was all right, I admitted it. The problem was not in the creation of mankind, say, but in getting the self reproducing software right. Do that and you have a human race with real potential. But that's always been the hurdle, hasn't it? Now, lust and greed are all very well, but they do tend to involve a lot of messy side effects. And, of course, I try to modify those with my Ten Commandments. Everybody was very excited about them at the time. Bit of fine-tuning, I should have tried earlier. But we all know where that led. It's a ramshackle world at best. I have to admit, the least you can do is shore a few things up. I tried some other belief systems. All ended the same way. So the alternative was to bless the world with a sudden rationality. Yet, once you give people a chance to think about it, they stop reproducing altogether. Lust is a totally insufficient engine for running a reproductive program. It means you have to override rational processes so that they switch off at certain times. And we all know where that leads. So, all in all, when the fiercest get to the top, the top isn't worth getting to. And if it wasn't for the cats, I'd wind the whole miserable failure up. In fact, I was going to until Jesus talked me into offering cloning as an alternative. I'd already sent them H.G. Wells and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the United Nations and all the rest of it. I'm too soft. I know, but Jesus was always my favorite, and he's never short of a reason for giving you all another chance. So... Every time I start to wipe you out, along he comes with that bloody charm of his, and he twists me round his little finger. Well, you know the rest. One world war interrupted, started again, stopped again, couple more genocides, try again, no good. So far, so you've probably noticed, you haven't even taken the best options offered. Even Jesus is running out of excuses for you. So, I'm giving it a few years, and then, 
No matter what, I'm sending a giant comet. Or I might send a giant cat. It'll be a giant something anyway, and it'll all be over in an instant. Nothing cruel, nothing to change my mind. Death was hovering about in the shadows, glancing meaningfully at his watches. That's it then, is it? Gillian Burns seemed a little crestfallen. You've come to warn us that the world has every chance of ending, and you offer us no chance to repent, to change, to make our peace? She tightened her lips. God could tell how she felt. I didn't offer, God reminded her. Somebody asked. Look, I'm not the prince of lies. I'm the lord of truth. Not a very successful God of love, though I must say I tried. More a God of, well, profit. I suppose I mean everyone complains that these great religious books written in my name are incoherent, so they blame the writers. Never occurs to them that I might not be entirely coherent myself. On account of being, well, the supreme being, if I am existence, parts of existence are incoherent, or at least apparently incoherent. He realized he'd lost us. So there's no chance for redemption, said Engelbecht, looking about him. For, say, thou bohemian sporting fancy. I didn't say that. Who knows what I'll feel like next week? but I'll always get on famously with cats. Can't resist the little buggers. There are some humans who are absolutely satisfied with the status quo in heaven. But all cats get a kick out of the whole thing. The humans on the quiet are only there to look after the cats. And the rest? I don't follow you, said God. Well, of course, being omnipotent, I could follow you. What I should have said was, I'm not following you. The rest of the people, what happens to them? The discards, the souls who don't make it through the pearly gates, as it were. Engelbrecht seemed to be showing unusual concern for others. Recycled, said God. You know, thrown back into the pot. What do the Celts call it? The Mother Sea. After all, they're indistinguishable in life, especially the politicians. They probably hardly notice the change. Is the only people who get to stay, asked the dwarf, rich people? Oh, no, said God, though the others do tend to be funny. Wits and comics, mostly. I love Benny Hill, don't you? He's often seated at my right hand, you might say. You need a lot of cheering up in my job. Gillian Burns was becoming sympathetic. She loved to mother power. I always thought you were a matron. I felt ashamed of you. It's such a relief to find your male. There was a sort of honeyed criticism in her voice, an almost flirtatious quality. Not strictly speaking male, said God. Being divine, sublime, and ha ha, all things, including women, the eternal mine. 
Well, you sound very masculine, she said. White and privileged. Absolutely, God reassured her. I approve of your method. That's exactly who I am, and that's who I like to spend my time with, if I have to spend it with human beings at all. Engelbrecht bared his teeth. He was a terrier. So can I get in, is what I suppose I'm asking. Of course you can. Though I'm not Jewish. You don't have to be Jewish. I can't stress this too often. Think about it. I haven't actually favoured the main mass of Jews lately, have I? I mean, take the 20th century alone. I'm not talking about dress codes and tribal loyalties. God spread his legs a little wide and hefted his gown to let the glow get to his divine buttocks. If we had not known it to be a noise from the fire, we might have thought he farted softly. He sighed. When I first got into this calling, there were all kinds of other deities, about many of them far superior to me in almost every way, more attractive, more eloquent, more easygoing, eloquent powers of creativity. Even the Celts and the Norse gods had a bit more style, but I had ambition. Bit by bit, I took over the trade until bingo! One day there was only me. I am, after all, the living symbol of corporate aggression, tolerating no competition and favouring my own family and its clients. What do you want me to do? Identify with some bloody oik of an East Timorese who can hardly tell the difference between himself and a tree? Sierra Leone, listen, you get yourself into these messes, you get yourself out. Well, it's a good world for overpaid theoth, mused Lizard. In this world and the next, confirmed God. And it's a good world for overpaid comedians too, for that matter. So Ben Elton and Woody Allen? I said comedians. Hmm. Engelbrecht was having difficulties phrasing something. Hmm. He was aware of death hovering around and ticking like a showcase full of Timexes. What about it? What? You now, murmured Engelbrecht, deeply embarrassed by now. The meaning of existence. The point. Point? God frowned. I don't follow. Well, you've issued a few predictions in your time. Beth was clearing his throat. Just to remind you about that policy subcommittee, he murmured. I think we told them half eight. God seemed mystified for a moment. Then he began to straighten up. Important committee. Might be good news for you. Hush, hush. Lizard was now falling over himself to get his questions in. Did you have anything to do with global warming? Death uttered a cold sigh. He almost put the fire out. We all glared at him, but he was unrepentant. God remained tolerant of a question he might have heard a thousand times at least. He spread his hands. Look, I plan a planet with sustainable wealth. Okay, nobody tells you to breed like rabbits and gobble it up all at once. Well, actually, you did encourage us to breed like rabbits, Gillian Burns murmured reasonably. Fair enough. 
said God. I have to agree, corporate expansion depends on a perpetually growing population. We found that out. Demographics are the friend of business, right? Well, up to a point, I feel of fault, said Lizard, aware that God had already as good as told him. A line had been drawn under the whole project. I mean, it's a finite planet, and we're getting close to exhausting it. That's right. God glanced at the soft dally watches over the bar, then darted an inquiry at death. So, how can we stop the world from ending? asked Engelbrecht. Well, said God, genuinely embarrassed. You can't. Can't? The end of the world? It's inevitable? I thought I'd answered that one already. In fact, it's getting closer all the time. He began to move towards the cloakroom. God, I understood, couldn't lie, which didn't mean he always liked telling the truth, and he knew anything he added would probably sound patronizing. Then the taxi had turned up, and death was bustling God off into it. And that was that. As we gathered round the fire, Lizard Bayliss said he thought it was a rum-do altogether, and God must be pretty desperate to seek out company like ours especially on a wet Saturday night. What did everybody else make of it? We decided that nobody present was really qualified to judge, so we'd wait until Monday when Monsignor Cornelius returned from Las Vegas. The famous cowboy Jesuit had an unmatched grasp of contemporary doctrine. But this wasn't good enough for Engelbrecht, who seemed to have taken against our visitor in a big way. I could sort this out. He insisted, if God had a timepiece of any weight he'd like to back, Engelbrecht would cheerfully show it the gloves. That, admitted Julian Burns with new admiration, was the true existential hero forever battling against fate and forever doomed to lose. Engelbrecht, scenting an opportunity he hadn't previously even considered, became almost agrarious, slicking back his hair and offering the great novelist an engaging leer. When the two had gone off, back to Gillian's Tufnell Hill eerie, Lizard Bayliss offered to buy the drinks, adding that it had been a bloody awful Friday and Saturday so far, and he hoped Sunday cheered up, because if it didn't, the whole weekend would have been a rotten write-off. I'm pleased to say... It was Taffy Sinclair who proposed we all go down to the woods of West Main for some goblin shooting. So we rang up Count Dracula to tell him we were coming over to Dunsucken, then jumped into our black fly and headed for fresher fields, agreeing that it had been one of the most depressing Saturdays any of us had enjoyed in centuries, and the sooner it was behind us, the better. The End with respectful acknowledgments to Morris Richardson and the exploits of Engelbrecht, published by Savoy Books, Manchester, UK, and Port Sabatini, Texas. Thank you, Kieran, for that. What a fantastic read that was. Don't forget, all copyright is Michael Moorcock's of the story. He kind enough to let us put it out there, but he certainly doesn't want anyone taking it and making a profit out of it without without coppers going in his pocket. And all our stuff is on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share alike, 
3.0. So, there you go. They like say, next week we have another Michael Moorcock story, and then it's getting into the Michael Moorcock season of audios, you know, and actually the video. So hopefully that'll come around as well. And like I say, because of this little fall I've had at work, things are a little bit higgledy-piggledy, but hopefully me and Kieran are getting back onto the swing after Christmas. On Saturday, there'll be the Spider-Robinson interview coming up, and then hopefully it should be the following Saturday, it'll be the Sex and Sci-Fi, which was recorded before my accident. So that'll be there as well. So again, please... Just keep supporting the Starship Sova. Thank you for all the comments. It's been really appreciated. And it's like I say, it just, it really does. Just, you know, you can turn up on your computer and you see all these get well, you know, wishes. Just amazing. Thank you very much. And I will see you soon. Goodbye. Will our heroes survive this terrible ordeal? Can they win through with their integrity unscathed? Can they escape without completely compromising their honor and artistic judgment? Tune in next week for the next exciting installment of Starship Sofa. Evacuation procedure initiated. Shuttle set for launch. Airlock will be opened in 3, 2, 1. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.